Parkbench. My name's Mike Sim. I'm a commercial photographer in the United Kingdom. Over the Atlantic is my best friend in the entire world. Having never met him, but guess what? That's going to be rectified in a month or so. It's uh, Christopher Stern. Hey, welcome back to my <laughs> life. I don't know. <laughs> Good, brilliant. And Good then to see you. <laughs> somewhere else in America uh, is the act darkrooms. Uh, Sean Kim. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Where in America are you? I'm in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. That's mm-hmm. another place in America that I mm-hmm. don't know where it is. It's at least like one of five places in America, so... Oh, yeah. sick. Okay, cool. Truly. <laughs> uh, in the same time zone from where I'm from, so that's cool. The East the Pacific seaboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Brilliant. Great. What a <laughs> thrilling start to this podcast. Yeah. Now, we weren't going to discuss politics, but and I was joking about the whole Russia and Ukraine thing. Are America getting involved in that? Um, I don't they've know. been leaking some stuff here and there. Uh, just I'm not into World War Three. It's I I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping you could be the next Robert Frank. You could be out there with your. I don't think it's going to be on U.S. soil if anything does happen. Well, that doesn't mean you can't fly. Go and take some photos. I'm not going to fly to the Ukraine during... <laughs> what is going on here? Well, listen, um... if you're not committed to your craft, then what's the point in this podcast? Um, yeah, good that point. Would, I'm it, also it would not make a photojournalist. A, it would make a really good photo department video of you in World getting, War III. Getting, <laughs> getting shot in Ukraine to get some yeah. stupid pictures on film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, we should probably, probably talk about our guest. No, yeah, I, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been a big fan of your YouTube channel, Attic Dark Room, since I stumbled across it. I, I think I emailed you maybe like a year ago almost. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm like, wow, like this guy, I, I knew of your channel, so I was really surprised that someone, you know, one, even emailed me because I wasn't expecting that and, you know, wanted, wanted to do something, and I was super down. Yeah, sorry it's been so long. So... <laughs> So I email him like a year ago. I was like, dude, I love your channel. Um, I would love to like collaborate on something at some point. I don't know what that would look like, but let's do something. And you were you were like, yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm totally down. And then I just got super busy. I moved across the country, got a new job and just <laughs> everything I wanted to do. I know everything I wanted to do has kind of like taken a back burner. But um Thank you so much for coming on the podcast after a year of silence, pretty much. But yeah, uh, I mean, thanks for having me. Yeah, for as it. soon as I saw your 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 channel, I was instantly I instantly binged everything you made because that your kind of your approach to to what you do is so interesting, and it's like in a sea of YouTube channels where everything seems yeah. to be kind of similar. Um, your take on film is so fresh and cool. So um, why don't you kind of like tell our audience what? why you started your YouTube channel and what the kind of goal is. Well, um, I, I started the channel because um, the way I, I like to photograph things is just like, I like to take the bus downtown, just, you know, walk around, take pictures of whatever that's around me. Like documenting is the most important part of photography for me. Mm-hmm. And um, that was fine for a while. And then when COVID happened, I couldn't take the bus and then like, I can go. I wasn't going to go downtown. I wasn't going to do any of the stuff I normally did. So I was kind of like, I was getting like really cooped up. Um, I normally used to shoot about a roll a month for my own personal stuff. And when COVID happened, I shot. I developed my first roll like like seven months in, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I wasn't shooting. I was so just, I don't know, um, like creatively bored. And I've always, like I have a video, in, I have a background in video. And so I've always wanted to have some kind of YouTube channel or something. And um, this isn't my first attempt at like a film photography YouTube channel. This is my third. Oh, um, wow. And I've, between those other two, I've kind of, uh, in my head, I'm like, okay, if I were to do this again, what would I do differently? And how would I do it differently? And I thought about it for a couple of years until I finally, it all just kind of clicked um, around um, like October, no, August of 2020. And then I'm like, it's now or never, let's just do it. And I just jumped right into it. And yeah, and here we are. <laughs> and what's think, your, yeah. and yeah, and what, what's the, for you, what's the purpose of your channel? Describe what your channel is for like anyone else. Um, um, basically, imagine if someone never thought no when it comes to like doing stupid stuff <laughs> and then just doing it. Um, there's, you know, I, whenever something new comes, like a new film, new process or whatever, the like the first thought is always something stupid and it's always something you could rationalize away. Be like, oh, of course it's not, that's not going to work. But then... I always stop myself and I write it down. I'm like, all right, well, let's see what happens. And um, that's basically the channel. I mean, there's um, one thing I'm really um, kind of uh, thankful for is that people aren't coming onto the channel to see like good photography. Uh, So like, I don't have to like force myself (laughs) to like, you know, make great compositions and great color or whatever. I just, I just, just jam out some random crap and people just are interested in seeing the, the essentially the failure I mean, that I stumble upon. So like the sort of kind of stuff you're talking about, like there's one where you, uh, I love this one just because of the sort of general failure at the end of it <laughs> of uh, developing, um, diluting DDX with Sprite instead of with water. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, for, I was at the grocery store and I saw carbonated water and I'm like, well, that looks like water. So why can't I just replace it with water? And um, I, I think I got like a back in high school, I got like a C plus in chemistry. So like I completely forgot everything I learned there. And I forgot <laughs> that like acids and bases are a thing and pH oh, yeah. level. And that's what I learned um, is that, you know, um, like carbonated water is acidic and a, an acidic bath is essentially a stop bath. So I, I basically made a mono bath of developer in a stop bath. And I just used that <laughs> as a developer and everything became underdeveloped. And because I didn't know that, my re- my response to that was, well, let's just add more developer in there and develop it for longer. <laughs> and then I just I brute forced my way into like a very bad photo. And then I realized like, oh, well, I'll just share this garbage and see if anyone else is interested. And apparently people <laughs> are. Know, I think the thing I love about it is the fact that like, you know, we, we treat film as something like so precious. I think partly because of the, the history of it all and the way we look yeah. at it. And then also mm-hmm. partly because it's so fucking expensive these days. But one, you're buying long, like you're buying giant rolls, so it's it's slightly mm-hmm. different. But then you know, it, part of it is is fucking around with it as well and just having fun with it. Like, what was it you pushed? What was it you pushed? Uh, or you pulled Elford Five down to five, five, <laughs> Elford <laughs> HP Five down to five. Yeah, one of the first um, ones was you pushed. Did you push something to some I ridiculous? Pushed, uh, T Max thirty two hundred to one hundred two thousand four hundred. Right, that was the first that was, video I saw. Dude, that was like a forty minute development time or something as well. Yeah, it was it was get, over an hour. I get bored developing film for ten minutes. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, stand developing is fine because you just like you just set it down and you forget about it. But when you're yeah. with this one, I had to invert it every minute for over fifty something minutes over an hour, and <laughs> it was the only reason why I stopped is because I just got so tired of doing it. I want to do it again. I want to because uh, I've learned a lot since then and now. But yeah, just the idea of of developing film for over an hour and just being there, you know, minding it for all that time is just so mind numbing. But that dedication has really kind of ex- a lot of th- cool things have come out of it. Cause you think about like ISO of a film is like kind of like this very, it's like almost like a, the Bible. It's like, you have to stay like within this couple of stops or you're not going to get good results. But I remember that episode, I can't remember how far up you got until it started getting really bad. But like for a while, like you pushed it past where I thought it would be cool and it kept going yeah. and it was like, wow, you're getting kind of cool results, like way yeah. farther than I thought it was possible. So, and it was the same with pulling when you, even at, even at mm-hmm. 50, I thought HP five look, looked all right. I thought it looked quite cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's, um, so I, I'm, I'm always surprised because, um, film is a lot hardier than I think most people expect. Um, I mean, one of the other things I did is I, I boiled film. Uh, I boiled my oh, yeah. developer, and it still developed fine. I mean, I had to develop it for three seconds, but it still developed. Like, <laughs> there's a picture, uh, and it's singed in the edges and whatever. But, I mean, the way I was told, um, or the way people sort of, like, framed it was if you develop film and you're off by one degree, you're going to reticulate yeah. everything, and everything just explodes. And right. that's, you know, and, and I held that really close to me for the longest time. I was very, you know, on point with my times. I was, um, my dilutions, my temperatures. And as I've started to, like, develop more and more film, I realized, like, you could be a little loosey-goosey with some of this stuff. And it's I would like to see... White. Yeah, I mean, even with color, and you know, you could... Yeah. It's, uh, like... People are, when it comes to developing film, people are afraid to do it because it seems so scary and seems like you have to be so yeah. like on point. But then once you realize like you could push the edges a little bit and you, you just try to find out like how far you could go. And that's why I, mean, I think that's it's how, really fun. That's how I figured out you could stand develop C41 because I didn't, you know, for the longest time I didn't develop color film because I was so worried about keeping the temperature perfect and making sure that like if I invest all this time and effort that the film I get at the end of it is going to be actually good and worth my effort. But then I was like, you know what? Screw this. Let's get some C41 chemistry, throw it in a tank and stand, develop it like I would black and white. And I compared my initial results to some I've had like process at a lab and it wasn't far off and it, and the way it was different was almost indiscernible. So it was kind of like, Oh, you can stand develop C41 and it looks good. Like, okay, that kind Mm. of breaks my brain a little bit. I, I want to try that. I haven't tried stand up in color, but that sounds yeah. fun. So I used to do it actually a lot because when I found out it worked, I was like, oh, well, screw doing, you know, temperature control and screw all this other stuff. Like, I'm just going to toss it in and just stand develop it. And so for like a year and a half, that's the only way I developed C41. And it worked totally fine. No one could even tell unless I told them. And then... um and then I just started getting back into being more careful with my temperature just because I wanted to control like color shifts and stuff um, a lot more precisely. But I, once again, if I didn't have the ability to like make sure that my water bath was like exactly 102, I would just stand develop color and it works great. I would love to see you do a like color stand development experiment because I know you'd probably push it way farther than I ever have. Yeah. And like this mindset is, this is something that I've, um, 
I try to like model like what I do. Um, but like photography is, especially film photography is really old, you know, it was made, mm -hmm. you know, in the early mid 1800s. And that's like 200 years of just progress has been made. And like during that time, um, so much had, had to have been discovered, invented and solved for. And all that hard work has basically just been distilled down over the generations of photographers. And so mm -hmm. like what, mm -hmm. you know, we, we get all the, the convenient parts of it. You know, we could go to the store, we could buy a camera, film, send it off to get developed. But we are never really told like the specifics of how all of that works. And so yeah. we don't we didn't have to invent the aperture. We didn't have to like figure out how shutter speeds work or like ISO stuff like we just had that stuff given to us and mm -hmm. we're never really, yeah, we weren't told the technical aspects of it. And that's kind of what I like to kind of figure out myself is because, you know, I was just told anecdotal evidence and that's just how I think most photographers are, are, um, totally. are yeah, that's how they learn things. And you kind of realize like most of it is just, you know, it's just generalizations and it, mm -hmm. they don't know why they're telling you this they, it's because they were told the same thing before. And, you know, like I was saying, you know, I used to think that if you just mess up the temperatures a little bit and develop it, it would just ruin everything. But that's just because mm -hmm. someone told someone else who told someone else who told someone else who told me. And, <laughs> right. um, you know, also it's, we're getting we're getting most of our information from YouTube these days. I know I do. Mm -hmm. Like if I want to learn something, I, I YouTube it and then I'll, I'll just watch some YouTube videos. But there's mm -hmm. nobody that's really doing, I don't think, what you're doing. You know, and every time you watch a YouTube video, it's the same thing. It's the same stuff. It's get a Bamarie you know, chuck it in there, film temperatures have got to be exact, blah, 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 blah. And then here's your film. And it's like, yep. it kind of, all it does is um, sort of galvanize the idea that anything outside of exactly this, you're going to fuck it. And it makes that's kind of thing. Yeah. And that's kind of how, you know, then you get into like everyone shooting the same film all the time because mm -hmm. they're told that it's the best film and it's the only way to get whatever. So you have all these people that big portrait fanboys which portrait does portrait is like a very good film and all of the like lore Chris has been on a bit of a portrait hating streak for the last only because people <laughs> people overlook other films and people look at ektar and go ew and look at portrait and go oh my god and it's just like why <laughs> you don't realize that you can actually like do the same kind of thing with these films just like in different ways um but then you get this thing where everything's homogenous. Like everyone shoots Portra. Every YouTube channel is the same. Like, you know, no one's mm -hmm. really like pushing limits or experimenting. Everyone's just kind of doing their like experimenting, like within the boundaries of like what they think is like the correct way to do things. Um, and it just becomes so for, boring. And yeah. So for instance, stand development, for anyone that doesn't know, <laughs> how would you describe stand development? It's literally yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the the laziest way of developing film. You just mix your chemistry, you shake it up mm -hmm. for about five seconds, and then you just leave it on the counter for an hour, and then you come back, and then you just finish the rest. You just do a stop, bath, and fix, and it's done. Yeah, and it it's, takes the whole development part of it, standing there and agitating it for like three and a half minutes, and it elongates it over an hour, and then it also kind of gets rid of most of the agitation. You can agitate if you want, but most people probably don't. But uh. Yeah, and it's literally just stand because it's just standing it's there for an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's I a, highly it's recommend one... anyone try it. Oh, dude! Like, I mean, I like to pretend that I'm like really into the minutia of certain things, and I I really like the processes. But you know, if I now realize that I can stand process color film, guess what I'm going to be doing? <laughs> I really I should have told you about it before because I know we were talking about your 
um, you processing film and scanning it and stuff. And so like, I should have been like, Hey, you should stand process this film. But like, yeah, I totally forgot to tell you. And what about the process after Sean? Like once you've, um, your scanning process, is that all pretty standard? Um, from it's standard for me. I, so I work at a photo lab, I work as a scan technician. And so I have oh, cool. um, access to like a Noritsu and that's why I scan everything through. Ah, um, nice. So I know a lot of people have been, you know, on the whole DSLR scanning, mirrorless scanning stuff. And I've never even, I've barely even scratched that surface because I'm like, I have a Noritsu here. I'll just scan <laughs> right. everything through that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I'll just scan everything uh, through that. And I, that's, that, you know, that's the one thing that like I feel good about with like my channel is like I, at least the scans look fine um pictures. <laughs> they do look good they're very detailed and they I've, i have noticed that like once you're showing us your experimental when the stuff comes out it's like all your scans have a very consistent good quality to them i'll, I'll say i've noticed that <laughs> uh, i mean honestly if anyone who's ever used a Naruto, it's very brain dead simple like it's designed for like 15 year old like high school kids to just jam film in there and just get like at least okay <laughs> results so yeah. um yeah i mean it's it, it's it's a wonderful little piece of tech but um does Naruto scan four by five as well no, it's uh, no. six, but it's uh, medium format. Well, at least the one we have it, it just goes 35 um, medium format. Um, but yeah, it puts out lovely files though. That's cool. Yeah. I wish, you know, if I had, if I had access to a Noritsu, I probably wouldn't be doing camera scanning, but um, yeah, the camera scanning thing is, is very pervasive now. Have you, you haven't even tried to do camera scanning at all? I've d I've done SLR scanning. Like I've used my film camera to take a picture of another negative, but I haven't really done. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. wait. Did you you've done a video where you did that? What was that? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I took it. So I was, I was just trying to. I was just dicking around with it, and what it ended up being was I took a picture of a negative to make it into a positive, and then I took that <laughs> and shot it on slide to make like a fake right. Aerochrome, um, right? You know, positive yeah. infrared. That's Which I didn't. I didn't yeah, I didn't watch that I video, could, but I was just about to watch that before I came before it came on. Yeah, I watched that video and I was trying to wrap my head around what you were doing because like not only is what you're doing like insane, but like I never would have it never would have occurred to me to try that. Like how did you even come up with the idea that like, oh, I'm gonna do it this way? Like what well, I mean, it's it's really simple math. You know, negative plus a negative makes a positive. And so I'm right. like, all right, well if you do that, then you could take my negatives and make it into a positive. You're saying it's simple math. I can't explain to you how bad I am at maths um, or any <laughs> science in general. Like you say that simple, and I'm there going, "Yeah, of course it's from what." I can't explain to you why that's the answer. Like I know that that's true, but I don't know mm -hmm. why. Like it's just um, what. I mean, another way of thinking about it is if you're like printing darkroom stuff. You know, um, mm. a, a darkroom paper is it, it makes a negative, and so you just you know you shine a negative onto that, and you get a positive, and that's kind of like that the, is the, true. That, that's like the fundamental basis to that idea. And then where I went with that was just completely left field from there. But um, yeah, you, you know, I mean, I it, it was a dumb idea. It, it, you know, if you looked at it from 10 feet away, it looked great. But then the mm -hmm. moment you put it anywhere in critical viewing distance, it looked awful. But, <laughs> like um, the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's, you know, it, it, it's something that it, this is also just something I want to, um, I'm working on on a different project to like expand on that because every time I put out a video, people always uh, people are really kind and they're really nice and they'll tell me like, "Hey, this is something that you could do," or you know, "Hey, you completely messed this up and you should do it this way." And I, I take that and 
I kind of expand on uh, like the, it adds to like what I could do for another video. And I'm like, right. Um, I'm currently working on something. It's currently failed. Like I've shot a couple of, a uh, couple of roles and it turned out awful, but you know, it's all just a big learning experience. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, I feel like there are a lot of things that you've tried that haven't like occurred to me just in general to like try. So like your channel has like really, I mean, it's inspired me to kind of go out and, and try things differently because I, I kind of have that thing where I worry about, Oh, if I deviate too much from like center is like what I'm doing going to like look bad or like not be interesting. But like, I, I can't impress upon you what it was like to come across your channel. I think when I first, when I saw your first, very first video, the one where you pushed HP five to a bajillion, I like, I tweeted about it and then I sent it. I sent the video to like two or three other people I know who shoot like HP five. I think I sent it to Matt day actually. And I was like, Matt, this guy, cause Matt <laughs> shoots all his, all his HP five at 1600 or something. Like he pushes it couple stops and i was like matt this guy takes hp5 and he pushed it to 102,000 iso like you gotta watch this and he was like what the hell this is crazy so like it was like a moment where i was like why didn't i think of this um and so think, yeah <laughs> i think that people sometimes forget that film's a medium like in terms of like a, like paint is a medium like right it's got this entire latitude of what it's capable of doing and just because we look at certain because we look at the same photos and the same photo books and we're exposed to the same type of i'm going to use that word again christopher inverted commas film photography all the time <laughs> like we we have an idea of how it should look but the reality yeah. is that it's so flexible and actually if you've got an idea in your mind you know there's no reason you can't try to make it a reality way outside the boundaries of what we consider to be you know normal well that's kind of what i said about like portra or like other films is like you can edit films if you scan a film flat enough mm. you can edit that film to kind of look like any other film really in post if you know what you're doing because film has that latitude even films that don't have as much latitude um, like Ektar, for instance, it has a lot, a little bit less latitude than Portra. You can still push that film to like have characteristics of other films if you scan it flat enough, um, which is definitely possible. So it's kind of like, why limit it to its inherent, like perceived, like attributes when you can just kind of do thing. whatever you want. You know, we've got this sort of like perceived idea of like you know film perfection and but we don't know, do I, that with digital we don't really say like oh i have a fuji xt3 like i have to shoot it to look like yeah. i don't know whatever this sensor looks no, like totally. without editing it you know I mean, so everyone, I, oh, um, everyone's so precious about film and I, I mean i think it's kind of you, you mentioned it earlier but it has kind of like uh, elevated itself to just slightly different place than digital you know where it's just sna snapshots and everyone just machine gun shooting everything that um that people take it so seriously and it's i i understand like the the mindset because I, I was exactly there uh, with everyone else and um, you know i everything i shot was so precious it took me the first roll of film I, I ever shot it took me um i don't know almost a year to shoot you know like 24 exposures um and <laughs> like and then i yeah, and I'm I'm like these are all you know it costs money to shoot each frame. I have to be so special and like like selective about this. And then when I got developed, I looked at it. It's like it was just all garbage. And I'm like, why? Why was I like putting so much um, 
like of my of me into this when I realized like well I don't know what I'm doing and like yeah. you know this this isn't perfect and you know the vision I have isn't going to you know be translated onto this onto the film and I think when people realize this and they you know that that film is just it's it's still photography at the end of the day and once you get past like the 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 preciousness of it I think that's when it becomes really fun yeah and I think the problem that I've noticed is that um, you see like another photographer who like makes some really cool work with like some film or whatever. And you want to like, you, you have a little bit of FOMO with that. Like you want to kind of like also be known for like making cool work with film. And so you have yeah. to kind of like, you hold yourself to a standard that's kind of weird because like you can't, you just can't like e- emulate someone that way and be fulfilled. Maybe you'll be, I don't know, successful to some degree in emulating like maybe what they're doing or like their style. But in reality, you're going to kind of be like, okay, well, like I did this thing, but this isn't really me. But like people get stuck in that kind of FOMO of wanting to be involved in like pastel sunsets and like this and that. But in reality, it's kind of like they're robbing themselves of the ability to, I don't know, kind of claim their own stylistic thing. I've even found that since I've started like developing scan and film again, that like, all the um all the sort of um what's what I'm looking for? Uh, uh I can't think of words. Film. All basically all the little not inconsistencies, but like if there's marks from like developing or like even if when I'm scanning, if there's like a bit of dust or hair or something on it, I'm leaving it in. Like <laughs> I like it. Like I like the way that that looks. Like because that's all part of the process. Like that's how it's got to the way. That's how it's got to that point. And if I'm unless I'm obviously looking for like you know the perfect sort of airbrushed looking image, which it's that's not why I shoot film. Like mm-hmm. I, I like all these bits that are in it. Obviously, if there's like you know a giant bit of sellotape across it, then I'm gonna you know um, cover that up. Or do you guys call it sellotape in America? You just call it tape. scotch tape or tape. Tape. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> I had a friend at school that convinced the girl that uh, his uncle Cello invented sellotape, and um, <laughs> she, she believed it. Um, I believe it. She wasn't the smartest, <laughs> um, but like I, to me, it's like I'm, I'm scanning these images in, and like I see all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm just gonna leave it. I like it. Like I just like it. Well, um, there's a photographer I, that I follow whose work is he shoots primarily medium format uh, and does like brand work, and his his images are great, but they're so perfect that it's like you could have just shot this on digital like why did you where's the film character that you're like trying to achieve with this totally. so it's it's and it's like there's no experimentation there's no like everything is just pitch perfect and it's like okay but why didn't why did did you shoot this on film then you know 100% and where do you stand on chemicals Sean do you like do you tend to keep use the same ones um mostly because I'm lazy and I'm uh I get you know in a groove um, usually for my personal stuff and if it's something a little like a bigger project, I usually try to develop in, in Ilford DDX cause I just, it looks fine. I mean, honestly, I don't really, I don't really care how like my <laughs> pictures turn out, but, um, you know, if I was looking, if I was really looking close, like, yeah, DDX is better. I shoot, uh, I develop a lot in Rodinol just cause it's so, mm-hmm. um, flexible. Um, it lasts forever. Um, it, you use so little of it and it's just cheap. So. I like having Have it around. Have you been able to find some? Because I the last couple of times I've looked to buy Rodinol, it's been like out of stock. 
uh, Freestyle had a restock of it like a couple months ago, and I was able to buy a bottle. So I'm like, this is going to last me like three years. Um, <laughs> yeah, the last but, bottle I had lasted me like a year and a half or something. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly, I don't like what the, how, how Rodinal looks. I think it, it's a little aggressive and I don't want... I don't like it at all, but I but the utility of it is so gr- so much greater than the image that it produces that I develop almost everything with it just because it's <laughs> yeah. and, and it's been around for so long that there's times for everything. So like if you know some mm-hmm. old uh, film stock from you know a hundred years ago, you'll find Rodinal times, and if you don't, you just stand develop it, and it's like all right, cool. Like I'll I just- mean that's yeah, that's I don't I don't use Rodinal unless I'm stand developing because I feel like the results that I get from Rodinal stand developing are really good. Do you think it's aggressive as far as like the accutants and how sharp things look afterwards or what, what yeah, do you think that, is the most aggressive about it? Um, I, I mean the, the grain is definitely, you know, that, I mean, that's the whole point of like Rodinal is you get sharper grain, yeah. but mm-hmm. um, sometimes I don't want that. Sometimes, you know, I want something, um, you know, smoother. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, well, this is all I have. So I'm just going to develop with it. Cause I really don't care. I love the fact yeah. that you're pulling out film every single time going, Oh, for fuck's sake. And then just, like, <laughs> and then just going, let's go. Let's do another roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you too, has anything you've done, have you done like a project yet that has like completely failed to the point where you're like, I'm not even going to show this or talk about it. Like, Oh yeah. All the time. Um, it's, <laughs> Because the thing is, besides like the the videos where I shoot like a certain film, like my last video was uh, Fuji Pro 400H, where I knew I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot it normally. I'm going to cross process it. I'm going to red scale. I'm going to bleach bypass it. I'm going to cross process it in black and white. Like I I knew that going right into it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm buying five rolls. This is what I'm doing. I have a being middle end done. Like I just have to shoot it. All the other projects though, where I'm just dicking around, like there's no end. I don't know what the end is. And I have to figure that out as I'm shooting it. And mm-hmm. so sometimes like the best things that could happen is either it looks amazing or it fails just completely hard because then that's just, <laughs> that's funny. And that's like a good you know point right. to, to get across. But if in the middle there's like, it just kind of works, that's the worst thing that could happen because mm-hmm. like that's expected and it's not, it doesn't look good, but it, you know, it, it's not as like terrible looking as it possibly could be. And so, yeah, I, I've, I'm currently sitting on a bunch of projects where um, it either like I, I have nowhere to go or I'm, uh, I don't have the, the right, you know, uh, whatever, like right process, right gear, whatever to advance it forward. But um, mm-hmm. I don't see it as like a complete failure because I know I could work on it more and then get to some place where I can make a video about it. But yeah, if failure is just kind of the name of the game, like I'm not opposed to it, you know, it's um, right. yeah. It's kind I of like part, part of, of, it. of the, it's part of the process totally. And yeah. I think the, yeah. I think anyone that's not anyone that's thinking about developing their stuff at home and hasn't seen your channel, like I would hundred percent recommend they do because it, like what I said, it can seem so so daunting. And I remember the first time I developed film, and like I brought it out and looked at it, and the negatives were there, and I was like, and the images were there, I was like, I can't believe that just worked. Like <laughs> I can't believe I didn't do anything wrong. And like that, it's yeah. not like I was paying particular attention or was like really accurate with everything. I was kind of like, there's no way I've done this right the first time. And dude, the first time I did ECN two, the first time I did ECN two, I did the develop, I did the, I did the the pre wash, and then I immediately put the, the fixer in, and like, <laughs> and I was like, shit. And so I pulled the fixer out, and then I put the developer in, and it it still worked. Like I still got yeah. a roll of film that looked fine. It looked good. So I was like, okay, well. Clearly, yeah, but, nothing matters and everything is fake. So I don't know. So, 
a couple of weeks ago, I was down at um, Ben's house and we shot some uh, a couple of, a couple of um, sheets of four by five on uh, Elford. Uh, I developed them. And then we brought them down to his house to, to scan them because I was still waiting on that the scanner. So we brought them mm. down to his house and he uh, he DSLR scanned them. So he shot them and then we put them on the computer and we were like, why is everything back? Like, they were fine in terms of like they were exposed fine. We're like, why is everything back to front? And we just for the life of us could not figure it out. And we realized that I'd loaded the film back to front in the film folders <laughs> and shot it from the wrong side of the film and it still right. worked. Which Did I it was look like, any different other than the fact no, that it was like I, the thing was that huh. so I'd we'd shot a couple sheets of um, Portra one sixty beforehand, which I'd also loaded loaded in the wrong way, so they were fucked. But that <laughs> I hadn't. There was many mistakes that made this work. I didn't change my uh, meter reading from when I was exposed for the one sixty for the for the for the four hundred. Mm. And I'd already exposed for the one overexposed for the one sixty. So then I was like three stops over for the for the HP five. Right. So it obviously had enough exposure to get through the sheet. So and, when you shoot through the emulsion on color film, that's how you red scale, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So how did you do that with the four hundred H? Did you just have to flip it around on the yep. backing paper? Yep. Um <laughs> sounds like a nightmare. It, well, well people actually ask me to like how I do I this. I don't actually know what this is by the red scaling. Okay, so uh, red scaling. Um, so film is color film is made up of several different layers. You have yep. uh, um, so at the very top at the the emulsion, it's uh, it's blue. It's the blue layer, followed by a yellow filter, and then a green layer, and then a red layer, and then your anti halation, and then your base. Um, when you shoot film, it normally goes through blue, green, and then red, and that's because blue. Uh, it's just it, it's science. Science. Um, yeah. And <laughs> When you red scale it, you flip it around. So then now you're shooting through the base, and then you mm-hmm. hit the red filter, the red layer, the green layer, and then the blue layer. But um, the thing is, the red layer is sensitive to all light, so it it, could, it captures all the green and the blues as well. Um, and then once it filters through the green layer, it whatever residual green that it hits the green layer gets uh, exposed, and then the yellow layer prevents the blue layer from getting any light, so you don't get any blue. So essentially, oh. when you red scale it, um, you are just blasting the red the red layer with just a lot of light and so that's why it it's red scale it gets so do you do you overexpose you do you have to compensate for uh shooting through the base so you overexpose by a stop um but usually overexposing more will yield more like greens in the okay. in the image then you'll start so to get into the other layers yeah okay Interesting. Yeah, I thought it looked really cool. I know that Cinestill came out with the red rum or whatever. Well, that was when they accidentally red scaled a bunch of film and then recalled it and then sold it as a new product. <laughs> they accidentally um, red scaled it. How did? Yeah, they they, they they had they had a batch of uh, 800T where they accidentally red scaled it and That's then funny. they had a recall and then they you know, like we have a bunch of this film. What do we do? And so they just like sold it as um, red rum, which is just red scaled uh, 800T. But, funny. Um, going back to the previous question, how do you uh, red scale like 120 film? Well, like 35 millimeter is really easy because you just get an empty ca- uh, cassette and you just kind of like tape the thing upside down and you just reel it in. But 120, you do have to go in the dark room. You have to pull the film out, find where the tape is, peel the tape, and then flip the film, and then retape it. And retape it, but then you also have to uh, spool it back. So if you spool it back the correct way, there's going to be a bow in the paper in the backing paper because like. 
because the you have the film and then the backing paper on top of that, and they curl in at different rates because one's on top mm. of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to you have to spool it in the wrong way first, then they have to I'm take another spool. Anxiety and... listening to this. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, and then you have to do this in complete darkness. Fuck yeah. Um, and that's just a massive no for me because like <laughs> even like loading stuff in a dark tent there's times when i feel like i'm in a straight jacket and i want to smash my house to pieces mm-hmm. so like the idea of doing that um yeah it's not worth it because red scale is terrible and i absolutely <laughs> suck at shooting red scale <laughs> to be um, honest to be honest yeah. you already developed your film and a developer you hate so, like, <laughs> just i've got an idea sean start doing photography you enjoy <laughs> <laughs> God, um, it's just gonna end with you just going. To be honest, I fucking hate photography. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I, I red scale. Like, I it's, it's because I, I buy pro packs of like one twenty film. It comes at five. I'm like, what do I do with like all five of these things? And I have like this one loose roll, and it, 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 I always try to think of something. And I'm like, I, God, I'm running out of time. I have to do something. I'll just just red scale it, and then. You ever thought uh, like, oh, I'll shoot this film normally and see how it looks? <laughs> yeah. I, I well, here's the thing. That information's out there. Like you yeah. go to any other, yeah, yeah. you know, YouTube channel or blog or whatever, and you'll have perfectly great, you know, normal, normally exposed photos. And like that's that reference is out there. If I need if I need to, you know, look at look at that kind of stuff, I could find it. And so I don't really care because yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not saying no one's going to do this, but like most people aren't going to you know try any of this other stuff. So, I, you know, might as well try it myself. What about coffee? Have you tried coffee yet? I do want to do caffeinol. Um, that's on my list of things to try. I have so much crap to get to try. Um, it's just a matter of finding the time. Um, yeah, it, it's on the list um, eventually. Yeah, that's yeah. what people tell me to do it all the time because I obviously my channel is coffee centric. So people mm-hmm. are like, why don't you develop in caffeinol? And the reason I haven't is because I've looked into it and it looks stupid. I hate it. But mm-hmm. I, it's just kind of like one of those things where I know it's going to come out a way that I'm not going to particularly enjoy. So I, I'm trying to think of a way I can do it where it'll come out cool and be kind of topical because people also don't realize that you don't just pour coffee into the developing tank and then that's how you do it. Like it's obviously more involved and you need like vitamin C and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I do want to try that. Maybe that's something we could do together and like, <laughs> like, I'll do it one way and you do it a different way or something. Cause I think that'd be kind of a cool. Yeah, Chris, you could do it in a relatively easy way and, and Sean could do it on his head wearing rollerblades, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'll do like, it the way where it's like coffee goes in, let's see what happens. And then you do, you're just like, yeah, I didn't like that. So I did this. <laughs> you did it totally yeah. differently. That'd be kind of cool. Let's not give it all away. Yeah. Let's not give it all away. Cause it was yeah. such a concise plan going forward. <laughs> right. like that's really not a problem. Right. I mean, we're just throwing gold, you know, left and right. You know, just got to sprinkle that out. So you just uh, a straight. What about development tools? Have you thought about because you use a do you use a Patterson tank? Yeah, I use a Patterson tank for most of the stuff, unless I'm boiling water. I wonder if there's a way you could try to make something (laughs) different that isn't a Patterson tank. I mean, it it works. Um, You know, well, actually, yesterday I was just doing something really stupid. Um, I'm not going to give it away, but um, Patterson tanks work. Um, I it's one of those. You could try and oh, have something that would have purposeful light leaks in it. <laughs> well, the thing um, is, like, when you develop in a tank, it's kind of like it has to be a certain way. It's like a, it's binary. It has to either be light tight and allow you to process yeah, but what or I'm saying not. Is you could make something that has, like, specific holes in it so you get little light leaks on purpose. Um, 
there was I think there was a I don't know if it was Patterson or if it was Jobo, but someone made a um, a pr promotional tank for like display where it was made out of clear plastic, so you could see like the reels and stuff inside. Yeah. And one thing I really so. Uh, <laughs> Olympus made a promotional um, a stylus camera that was all yeah. clear. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, who was it? Uh, there was a bulk film loading company that made a bulk film loader that was transparent. And then I wanted that and then the tank. And then I think it'd just be a dumb video to just shoot an entire roll and be like, man, look at these bangers left and right. And then once I develop it, it's just like black. Like, oh, I sucks. would, I would, that'd be the funniest thing ever. Just to shoot. Because <laughs> you show the whole process, and you're just like, "Oh, I'm shooting this roll," and you show the camera, and then you show the like bulk loader, and then you show the tank, and you're just like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, let's see if these." Do you know like, why it'd be great? Boom. Because of the comments, there'd be people going, "Well, yeah, of course it didn't fucking work because it fucking yeah. used to be, like, it'd be totally serious." But like, oh, right, okay, yeah, cool. No, I hadn't. Yeah, um, that, that, that's just slight tangent. Like one of the things I really do enjoy is um, all the comments I get on my videos because everyone's so nice. But every time a video that kind of blows up a little bit, um, there's those people who don't. Who just watch just like a little bit of the videos don't understand like i don't really care what i'm doing um and they they think like it's this is like some serious thing and um i'm like dude like i i, I tried developing film in sprite like i don't know what i'm doing like just you know you can just <laughs> clearly this is uh, there's no an aspect of, there's an aspect of your tone that makes it sound sincere though like yeah because he, you have the, the right mix of like uh it's childhood pan. wonder but then the deadpan <laughs> the deadpan comedy yeah uh, like, like the end of the four for pro four and h video really like that really killed me because you're just like portra forever <laughs> it's like fuck like yeah. i mean the funny thing is i hate portra like i hate color film just in general so it's like i'm just like i don't know <laughs> pro like i'm personally like i'm i'm gutted about pro 400 h i like that film i thought it was a great yeah. portrait film like it so was, yeah. i uh, like I, so one of my like ulterior motives for this, I guess, entire YouTube channel thing is that I just want people to shoot film. I don't care what they're doing. Like if they could do stupid crap, they could shoot, you know, a portrait, put you know, overexposed one stop. I don't really care because, um, I, I can't support this entire film industry by myself, no matter how hard I try, I can't afford that. <laughs> um, so the more people who shoot, you know, selfishly, the easier it is for me to get film. And so, right. uh, anytime any film gets canceled, like it, uh, like discontinued, it just, it sucks because i know that someone out there love it and that's their favorite film and like tr losing that like it must suck and so yeah. yeah i just want people to just buy as much film like not hoard it but just buy and, and shoot as much film as possible and um just help me shoot film because i don't want this to die <laughs> you don't do you like... have a film Sorry. do you have a film that's like your favorite i mean i know you really no. like no I don't care at all about anything. Well, like, so I was just about to say, you don't seem like much of like a gearhead either. Like what cameras have you got? Well, okay. So here's the thing. I absolutely love gear. I adore right, gear. Okay. I could talk about gear all day. And the I just don't think there's really any value for me talking about any of this stuff, at least on my channel, because- There is for it, me right now. Um, the, <laughs> um, it's, I mean, everything, there's only a couple pieces of gear that I feel really confident in talking about and that's the stuff i've been shooting for years you know i can't imagine just picking up a camera and shooting it for a week and then trying to you know look like some uh like someone who's uh, who has authority you know and uh, knowledge about all this stuff because i don't and i don't want to come off that way so um anyway so what you gear are you i sent him a four by five camera and he spent half the video trying to open it <laughs> <laughs> i looked so dumb in that video <laughs> but um you know i like i love gear uh, for the channel i have uh the the two cameras i use the most i have a hasselblad 500 cm that's the one i've been using the most um 
have a bunch of lenses for and a bunch of accessories. And then Camera for 35, never, like literally never hear about on YouTube actually. No, no, I, it's it's this it's this really obscure Swedish company, um, and they they make these uh, modular cameras. It's it's called medium format. It's this weird oh, obscure what? film format. Um, and it shoots square. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. It'll never but, catch uh, one. Uh, for for thirty five millimeter, I have a Nikon FE two. Um, that was like uh, like my one of my first cameras that I had that really like propelled me into film, and it's still being used. Um, I don't shoot thirty five often. Yeah, it, it it's just uh, thirty five is so hard for me to shoot. Like thirty six exposures is just so much, and yeah. I know like. People have been saying like, oh, you could just cut the film in half and shoot half of it. But I'm like, that's not fun. I just want to shoot the whole roll. And um, yep. it's like all or nothing for me. So, Also, yeah, who's going to go through the trouble to cut a roll of 36 exposure film in half? Oh, I've done that before. <laughs> oh, I should have known. You <laughs> yeah, it does not surprise do me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it to me, it's not as fulfilling. I prefer to just actually shoot the entire roll um, and develop it and like... Uh, with like when I was pushing the T Max film, um, I knew like it it, it sucked because I had to shoot thirty six pictures, and I'm like, but if it works, it's gonna be so awesome. But then mm-hmm. it doesn't, and then I get so bummed out. I just twenty. I just wish that thirty five mil would come on like twelve exposure rolls because uh, I, I they just, used to do that. Mm-hmm. They used to they, have. Them. I mean, I always try and buy twenty four exposures, and we've said this a million times, but I just find the commitment to thirty six really frustrating. Like, yeah. It, it really it just really it's just the impatient nature of like of that amount of of that amount of images mm-hmm. i mean that's it's one of the things i really like about the Hasselblad. i have a bunch of backs so there are times where i have them running like like four or five different projects and i'm like okay I'll just pick this back and i'll be doing this project today and then um, how much what are Hasselblad lenses like cost wise are they all right um, too much well okay so they're, they're probably so there's some really nice lenses that you can have for pretty cheap like the 150 c lenses um those go for like 150 200 bucks like no one wants them um but the problem is everything else that comes with it is expensive the body the backs the, yeah, the yeah. finders and stuff um yeah. sorry about that construction sound uh, it's okay my dog's that. like walking around like <laughs> there's noise here who cares okay but um yeah, the, some of the lens. The, the problem is some of the older lenses. Uh, they there's no parts for them, so if they break, they break. Um, right. And then the shutters are built into the lenses, and so that just sometimes uh, complicates things because then you have a, a nice lens with clean elements, but then the shutter speeds are slow, and no one's going to fix them. Um, but they're is that getting, the problem now that the older lenses are not able to be repaired anymore? They haven't been able to be repaired for a while. Um, oh, but, no. but but people. Well, parts replaced, I should say. People can repair them. So if like the shutter speed is slow, they could get um, those fixed. But if something breaks inside of them, it's a little bit harder. Um, yeah. But they look, I mean, with the exception of like one or two lenses, the entire Hasselblad lens line is uh, Carl Zeiss. And so they just like, even the, the ones that are considered bad are actually still really good. So Yeah, um, I think the, the only lens I got, or the first lens I bought when I got my ELM, which is like the one that has the winder attached to it, mm-hmm. was a 150 mm-hmm. F4 which mm-hmm. was considered kind of like a whatever lens. I think I got it for $100 and I got the body for $200. So I got a whole Hasselblad system for like nothing. Um, I Sorry, I keep laughing at that sound. I'm just imagining a Patterson tank and a washing machine full of Rodinol in the background, just wait, like for your next video. Wait, how'd you, how'd you figure that out? You that out? <laughs> it's not construction. You're just destroying your dryer with Rodinol. Um, 
Well, yeah. one, one, one thing is, uh, I think that the EL cameras are definitely underrated right now, um, and oh, they're yeah. underpriced. And I mean, this well, is they're starting to get up. A bit well, they're starting to get up there. But if someone wants to get into the Hasselblad system, I would suggest finding like an EL kit because the, those are generally underpriced. And yeah, yeah. you got to kind of deal with the the big bulky motor and whatever. But, um, but it still you know, works. They're so I, I, they're I, I have beautiful a, cameras. I have a 553 ELX that I use as well, and it's a nice camera. I like it a lot, and um, yeah, it, but but people really poo-poo the motor because I mean it is electronic at that point. I mean, it's one of the nice things about the um, the 500 CM is all mechanical, and so mm-hmm. something goes wrong, you could you know send it to someone, they could just fix it up really quickly. But if something mechan- electronic happens, it goes wrong with this camera. Yeah, yeah, and there's been all those workarounds for like. Uh, the batteries too because the batteries don't last or whatever mm-hmm. but you know i haven't really i've only come across one of those cameras that is seized up like i've seen a bunch of them and they all still work so i just feel like they did a really well, good job of designing them well the, the big problem is that those cameras were mostly like professional studio cameras and so they were yeah. worked hard um, yeah. by the time it comes to you and so mm-hmm. the older they are i mean they've shot through thousands and thousands of photos and you know that they would normally work fine under normal conditions but they've just been so you know beat treated up. so yeah beat up and they're so ragged that yeah you, you'll find some that gets seized up um and that's just kind of the nature of the game do you shoot any large yeah. format i just i bought a well i bought a four by five camera a while ago and i just started shooting it um it is it's been really fun because i'm now not constrained to 36 or 24 or 12 exposures mm-hmm. like i could just I uh, yesterday I was just doing something and I'm like this is a dumb idea but let's just go for it and I just blast off one you know one frame and then they started just doing just, some stuff with it yeah and it's I'm totally fun. I've only just got into it and I'm totally in love with it mm-hmm. have you have you shot the Westie yet Christopher no I was gonna shoot it yesterday but I didn't have time I'm gonna try to go out today and shoot it actually before the sun goes down because I have a holder loaded up with HP five I just haven't had a chance it's so I. I bought a Wister and I was looking to buy the Wister. Um, wait, what is it? Wister SP. And yeah. I, because I'm an idiot, I bought the wrong one on eBay. Um, and it doesn't, I, I wanted front swing. And a lot of the Wister 45 models don't have front swing. So this one didn't. So I sent it to Christopher in exchange for a scanner. Um, and because uh, to, to replace his speed graphic. To replace and or to supplement, it's I still to have supplement, it. not the to replace. Yeah, graphic. but yeah. The, I I love the process, but like I have, <coughs> I have successfully. I think my hit rate is about fifty fifty for for freight, um, sheets that I've totally fucked to ones that have actually worked. <laughs> yeah, you've done some fantastic fuckery on. Some oh, of those. I mean, I I, I ruined. Um, yeah, I ruined. What did I say? Four? No, two. I ruined two sheets straight off straight. Two sheets of color as well, straight out the out the gates, um, right. by loading them wrong, which was great. So that was that's like it's called a learning quid, experience. Twenty quid, gone. I mean, yeah, expensive learning experience. You yeah, gotta I, do you gotta do expired film. That's what I've been doing. I haven't. I've only shot a few frames of fresh film of color because it's too expensive. Like I don't want to buy a, a a what it's like sixty something bucks for a ten sheets of portrait one sixty. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah. See, Brian's been saying so. This is interesting talking about like developing because Brian, Brian Burks, like you know, he's his whole channel is like it's large format and it's it's color, um, and it, it's always sounding like it's been dead easy. But he's been saying he's been having a fucking nightmare with it recently, and it's just becoming a bit of a headache doing it. Um, which, it's a pro- it's a whole process. Man. Well, the thing is that kind of like I was like I was using him as like some sort of like 
beacon of hope in the fact that like okay developing like color four by five is going to be okay and now he's telling me that and i'm like oh for fuck's sake but then i watch your video show and i'm like maybe (laughs) i mean yeah if you want color just trichrome it that's the that's the number one thing for color like it that's what i wanted to ask you is like how you got into trichroming in the first place because that your channel is the first time i've ever heard of it or seen Mm -hmm. it uh and the process yeah the process seems really involved so yeah go ahead and explain that so trichrome photography is the um basically the 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 grandfather of color photography is the basis for even current um, color photography it's uh, using black and white film, you shoot three different frames, uh, one with a red filter, one with a green filter, and one with a blue filter. And each of those filters uh, captures just that light and that wavelength, or that's what theory it should do. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with a black and white picture, but um, anything that's black is where there's a lot of that color, and anything that's white is devoid of that color, or in the negative, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. And so you are capturing color information, although the picture that you're seeing is black and white. And then so when you combine all that together, um, you know, I use Photoshop, you get a color picture with three black and white images. And but are you getting negative red or are you getting its opposing color? Uh, what was so, that? So where 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 it's where it's developed, like sorry, where it's where it's captured information, it's captured information mm-hmm. in red. Where it hasn't mm-hmm. captured information, is it just capturing no color or is it capturing the opposing color to red? Uh, just it's capturing no color. It's black and white. So it's right. very. It's just uh, red or no red, and then right. some. You know, the grays are just kind of in the in between. Okay. Interesting. And how did you? So, what got you started, kind of exploring that? Um, there is another YouTuber. Uh, it's the Eight Bit Guy. He's a. It does mm-hmm. tech uh, videos and stuff, and he was doing a review of an old webcam of his, and it was this black and white webcam, and he just just on the side mentioned like, oh yeah, I used to take color pictures with this. You know, I just use these filters, and. Uh, for whatever reason, like I would hear these things and I would just kind of catalog in the back of my mind and just go on the rest of my day. But for whatever reason, that just latched onto me and I just couldn't shake it. And event- I had to like look it up because he didn't mention trichrome photography or like tricolor separation or anything. So I had to, I, I furiously Googled it and kind of figured out what it was called. And then I, you know, and once I, once I learned what it was, I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe that will satiate my, my appetite. And then I just, for whatever reason, I just kept thinking about it over and over again for like the next like couple of weeks. And then I had random filters that were, it was, I had a red filter, I had a green that wasn't the proper green and a blue that wasn't the proper blue. I'm like, I'm just going to try this. Once I get it done, it'll be done and over with. And then I, I did it once and the colors just, it looked like a color picture and it just blew my mind. And mm-hmm. I just went to B&H and bought the proper trichrome filters and it's just always just been a thing. Um, I, Are you shooting that on your Hasselblad? Yeah, on all my cameras. Um, I've shot, I've already done a couple on 4x5. Uh, That's the first thing I shot on 4x5 was a trichrome. And that's uh, cool. No, it turned out awful because I suck at (laughs) 4x5. Okay. Um, And then I was, I was using a graphmatic back and I forgot to um, swap out the last frame. And so when I pulled it back out, I just saw the film staring at me. I'm like, (laughs) oh, well, that's not going to be able to be trichrome because I suck. Um, But yeah, it's, I, I have this, uh, this is an untenable goal uh, of capturing what I call the perfect color image with trichrome, mm. like no mm. fringing, no, uh, get the colors perfectly right. Every, like everything has to be perfect. And I think it, once I do that, I could just say I'm done with photography and I'm, you know, 
I, I That's retire. probably good for you because by the sounds of things, it's a real fucking bane of your existence, photography. <laughs> <laughs> I well, have to conquer it. Yeah. The interesting thing about trichrome, so that because of the nature of it, you have to take three separate exposures with those three separate filters. So your mm-hmm. camera has to be locked down like perfectly in order for yeah, there not yeah. to be any change. You would so, uh, portraits. Yeah. Are, portraits are going to be a bit of a no go. Uh, no portraits. I actually, um, when I do portraits, I intentionally get whoever I'm photographing to move, to move just slightly. Yeah, okay. yeah I'll, I will tell them. Um, oh. I'll tell them. Okay, like like uh, figure out where your shoulders are, figure out where your head and your chin is, and then um, and then stand up and then sit back down and put yourself back in that position. And they're pretty good at it, but there's always just slight differences to the the image. And I'd rather lean into it more than than yeah. to try to like um, yeah, you know I think, go away yeah, from if, it. If, if it ends up just slightly outside of you know perfect, it would annoy you more than like a mm-hmm. bit of wiggle room on it. So yeah, it's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I gotta I gotta see some of those because that sounds really cool. I've I never thought of doing. I thought yeah, doing a trichrome portrait would just be too hard because it would just be too mm. crazy. But yeah, I guess if um, you can see it looking sick. That, uh, yeah. the, the first the first portrait I did was a self portrait on trichrome, um, and that was yeah that was that was fun. I could I could find did that and share it with, with you. Three guys. different people. Well, you yeah. can do it with yeah you can do it with three different people. You could I do um, look. Because if you um, think about it, if you do it with because you could you're basically doing a triple exposure. Triple so exposure. Like, you know, yeah. When you do a double exposure in camera, like if you like superimpose like a one thing over someone's face, like well, why not just do that three times? Like a person's mm-hmm. face I mean, and a hat. Then uh, band, that'd be a good band for yeah <laughs> uh, the the colors would just be different you know so uh, you, the it's yeah red green blue but then it becomes like cyan magenta um yeah okay uh whatever and um it yeah it, it becomes really funky i mean the the effect is called like the harris shutter effect and mm. uh yeah uh, it's it's something that i i don't know i've like I said, I, I just been never been able to shake this off, and so everything that I do, I'm like, if I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm just going to trichrome and see what happens. And yeah, it sounds sick. I'm going to try that. I mean, one of yeah. the one, one of my favorite ones that I did was I um, I shot Lomo purple, and I trichromed it, and I developed it in black and white. And then when oh, I yeah. put when I put the images together, it came out as just normal colors, like regular mm-hmm. colors. And I'm like, cool. I figured out Lomo purple. Like, cool. I broke Lomo purple. That's awesome. <laughs> um, um, I was going to say, before we get out of here, uh, I noticed you have a guitar behind you. Oh, and yeah. I also have a guitar behind me. So what is that? Is uh, that guys, is that right? Wait a minute. Uh, We're going to play this game. Guess who's got some drumsticks sitting down here? <laughs> Wait, are we starting a band right now? Yeah. <laughs> it's either a Strat or a Mustang. It looks like it might be a Mustang. It's a Mustang. It's a, a Fender Mustang Pawn Shop Special. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I am uh, what people will call a hack when it comes to guitars. Um, Same. It was mm-hmm. it was like my first uh, hobby that I had, and I love working on them. Like I mod all my guitars. I, uh, I do everything, set them up, and do all that kind of stuff. And then when it comes time to playing it, it's the uh, uh, best, uh, best way I could describe it is I could – I could convince someone who knows nothing about music that I'm a good guitarist, but then when like an actual <laughs> musician comes over, they'll immediately know that I'm. That, that is I suck. literally my entire photography Same. career. <laughs> <laughs> Me so. too, for photography and for guitar. So, wow. That's cool. I it's funny because I do the same thing. So I have a Telecaster that I got when I was like 19 that I ripped everything out of event at, at some point. Like I put different pickups in it. I put different like tone and volume knob, like, variations in it the bridge is different everything has been set up like completely to like my liking or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and then before i had this i had a jaguar that i did the same thing rip the pickups out put something else in um this one it's just a jazz master 
in Shell Pink. I haven't done anything to it yet because I haven't really played it that much because I've been so busy. So, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that like. Oh, what's that. that you guys are asking? Oh, yeah, no, these these are just Vicforth um, <laughs> seven seven A's. Uh, I've put a little bit. Of tape are those on nylon them. tip? Percussion, percussion. No, they're not wood tip, and they've got oh, a okay. little grip, little tape on it as well. Um, nice, because my hands nice. tend to sweat after about twenty seconds. Um, and uh, yeah, so good, good chatting about the musical instrument. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. We want to keep you for the rest of your day. So, um, where can people find you if they want to find your stuff um, online? Oh. Um, I mean, youtube.com slash attic darkroom. Um, I also have a website, atticdarkroom.com. <laughs> youtube.com. I haven't had that in a while. Uh, HTTPS <laughs> colon slash slash <laughs> www.youtube.com. Um, I, I technically have an Instagram. It's Instagram, whatever, slash the attic darkroom. I, um, I don't use it often. Um, I noticed. But, but you, you could you can message me on there if you want. That's fine. Um, I'll I try to get back to you if I remember to check uh, Instagram and uh yeah that's pretty much it quick question um, before i mention our sponsors uh do you drink mm-hmm. do you drink coffee sean no i don't drink i just drink water oh, no fuck's sake no well, nothing what a shitty segue <laughs> bloody sponsorship now then well because well, <laughs> well, guess what guess what we're sponsored by a coffee roastery they're called ground in uh in oxford um not only do they make wonderful coffee speaking of christopher you got some this week how was it adequate Oh, for God's sake. Have you I'm just it kidding. Yet? It was super good. It was very good. It was the, the pea berry is the first one I've tried. I did some on the live stream and it's super good. Sean's missing out. Excellent Boom. news. Uh, so, yeah, not only are they a wonderful coffee roastery, they're also a social enterprise who um, gives opportunities to uh, ex-offenders and from UK prisons, uh, giving them jobs within the coffee industry and skills to hopefully let them further a career outside of the prison walls. Um, if you want some discount wonderful coffee, including the delightful pea berry, you can go to newground www.newground.com, uh, buy some of their coffee, uh, and at the checkout, if you use the code Spooky Twenty, you'll get twenty percent off your first order, which is so, a good deal. So if you want to just sack off drinking just water, have a bit of water yeah. with some caffeine in it, Sean. So Sean, we can't send you any coffee because you don't drink coffee. But I will send you some. I I'll get your address. And I'll send you some weird film that I have that you can maybe try to do some funky shit with. Oh, also, just want to remember that's anyone awesome. that's uh, ordered merch, the coffee cups just arrived today. So I'll be sending oh, yeah. those out. I'll be sending out hats and cups to anyone that's ordered them. Um, so don't don't fret if your stuff hasn't arrived yet. It's just because it's only just arrived to me. I forgot completely. That's fine. Hey, Sean, uh, we'll send you you a cup to drink your water from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A cup and some film. But yeah, I'll send you some. I got a bunch of funky black and white film from a friend, and it's cool, but I don't know what to do with it. So I think you would have some fun with it. So we'll talk. We'll talk later. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Awesome. Yeah. Good. It was actually really nice to do a podcast where we went just. Unsubtly shit, unsubtly <laughs> shitting on certain people. Right. Oops. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being lovely, lovely listeners. Um, and Mike, I'll talk to you soon. I miss I'll you. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, I'll, I miss you too. I'll see you in person. It's coming down like a month from now. Yeah. Sean, yep. absolute pleasure, man. Take care. Yeah. All right. Good up, everyone. Good up, Pip.